Welcome to another episode of the Paragon Podcast. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with my good friend, Dr. Sean Rush, who was part of the South College DPT program class of June 2022. And we discussed quite a bit. It was nice to kind of put everything into perspective on what we've learned for the last couple of years being in physical therapy school and kind of what our aspirations are as soon-to-be clinicians. Uh, Sean actually will be starting his job tomorrow and will be working in an outpatient orthopedic setting. It's always great speaking with Sean. Um, I feel he is an old soul and has a lot of great insight and perspective onto what he wants to accomplish in his career and just just really good advice for students, other clinicians. So I think you guys will really enjoy today's episode. As usual, don't forget to subscribe to our channel on all major podcasting platforms and follow us on Facebook at Paragon underscore physios. Enjoy the episode. Yo. Hey, how you doing, my man? Good. Do- Dr. Sean Rush. Hey, it feels good. Licensed, <laughs> by the way. Oh, nice. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you. Well, Congratulations to you. How's studying going? It's going. It's it's funny. I was explaining this to some of my buddies yesterday. I was playing golf with because they were congratulating me. And it, it won't feel real to me yet until I pass. So yeah. we have boards coming up in 10, 10 days. days. So um, once I pass that, it'll feel like everything's real. So it's it's funny because everyone's like, you're still studying? I thought you were done with school. And I was like, yeah, I'm done with the school part. But that whole thing of me actually being able to practice, like you actually have to be licensed to do so. Yeah. So the long and short of it is that's just another check mark I got to get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It would be nice to just be working but speaking yeah. of working uh you start tomorrow but you've been on a on a little um i don't want to say hiatus but you've been traveling a lot kind of enjoying your your time oh, yeah. off what, what have I you guys been up trotting to? around new england is what i was doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where um, have you guys been we've been good uh we've been most mostly we were up in maine we did some other traveling but more like day trips and stuff um, around Massachusetts and Vermont, where they have good hiking areas. Mm-hmm. But we were up in uh, Maine with my sister, who actually just graduated her fellowship in med school. Um, just doing, just basically getting lost in the woods, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like you're so um, deep in studying. And nowadays, in modern days, you have to be on the computer. Uh, you use apps such as Quizlet. You're constantly plugged in now mm-hmm. to study. And after after a long a long bout of doing that, I just needed to do like a cleanse almost and try to get off any type of technology I could for a little bit and get back to like just living again, which was nice. Uh, I feel that I'm I'm trying to plan a, a camping trip with one of my buddies who's a PT as well. The weekend of boards. Yeah. So, um, before or after? 
Yeah, right, like right after. So 27. Okay. So I think like the 29th through the 31st or something like that. And I just went camping last weekend and it was kind of like a a teaser because I'm like, man, I still have to go back home and study. It'd be nice to just, just enjoy that time. Just forget about everything. Exactly, exactly. Just um, hang out for a little. Yeah, so, so you're starting your first big PT job tomorrow. Yeah, tell me, tell me yeah. a little bit about it. Hey, I know you were trying to shelter the people for listening. Yeah, I really <laughs> never had a full-time gig up until this point. I've been a part-time warrior for about six years while I was in college. So this is my, uh, my first actual full-time gig, and it comes with a little bit of responsibility. But it's interesting because you kind of grow into the grow into the role so now it's almost like thinking back on maybe two years ago thinking about this i'd be a little like shocked almost nervous for it but now it's it's pretty seamless the transition because you really you find something you love and that 40 hour work week doesn't seem as bad it goes by a little better so yeah i am nervous to start um just because now the the whole decision making is on me now yeah. it's no like granted most of the time um i was pretty on par as a student you collaborate with your clinical instructor but now you're kind of the uh voice setting the tone almost or yeah. making the plan of care so i'm excited for it though i think um we got into such a great profession where there's so many opportunities There's so many avenues to learn things. Mm -hmm. Um, You really can make physical therapy, whatever, whatever it means to you. And I'm just starting to realize that. So I'm excited. Absolutely. And what type of uh, you're going to be in an outpatient orthopedic setting or is it kind of a little bit of everything? Yeah. So primarily outpatient ortho. But what I like is we've had a high high increase in childhood, like Mm -hmm. child adolescence, kind of coming in with random overuse injuries. And me and my clinical instructor were talking about it. We see a higher incidence now um, post-COVID because a lot of athletes who weren't totally serious about it and primarily did it, say, with school, um, they took a year off from that. And now a lot of them are going back into school getting those overuse injuries. So we see a good bit of them. We see quite a bit of like non-specific low back pain, shoulder mm-hmm. injuries, uh, neck pain, and then um, a good bit of vertigo and balance patients. So we definitely get to kind of work on everything, which I really appreciate. That's awesome. Now with the, the athletes, because one of the challenges that I've found at least from a little bit of background in strength and conditioning is a lot of those athletes overuse are typically your year-round baseball and year-round basketball players and then also you get some volleyball players in there as well that don't do anything else other than that sport which is I mean it's fine if that's your sport that's your jam that's it is what it is but there's a lot of research to support that you know it's not necessarily the most healthiest thing to do. Yeah. Like playing like AU and then you're going into like fall basketball and then you're playing in, until like springtime and then you're going straight into like some type of 
spring league or rejoining AAU, do you guys find a lot of that um, as a challenge where you guys are at in Rhode Island? So we get a, we get a good bit of those um, patients or kids. I want to call them. Honestly, we also get quite a bit of uh, track runners too. Yeah. Um, they have quite a, quite a bit of like overuse with that anterior tib. Um, but in general, I would say you're right on the money. A lot of patients who are kind of only uh, doing one sport year in and year out, yeah. especially in those early years, um, typically have problems. And that's to be expected. Uh, if you're going to use the same muscle every single day for yeah. an entire year, you're likely to run into problems. And I think what a lot of people, um, student at, or children athletes, adolescent athletes, and also maybe their parents worry about is, well, if my kid doesn't practice this week, will he still have the motor processing skills that are required to play this sport at a high intense level? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of something I try to educate with the patients is it's okay to take a little break. You'll likely um, may lose a little strength here and there, but you also allow your body to recover. And yeah. sometimes taking that break actually is like one step backwards for two steps forwards. Mm -hmm. so we have quite a, we have quite a bit of those um, AA basket or is it AU basketball? I AU. AU. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a total athlete. I would pull up to uh, a courtside game and play a pickup game, but I never played in uh, like actual leagues. Oh, that's so, crazy AU. because you haven't played any, any pickup <laughs> basketball in yeah, the but, last couple of years. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, I like to I like to talk that talk. So I just keep the pot stirring so everyone has a good time. But I, I played three hours of pickup ball at my family's uh, get together yesterday, and I woke up like a truck hit me. I, my hips hurt so much, I thought I was doing the salsa all night. I was like, "What happened here?" So I'm gonna leave that to the boys, and the men are gonna do something else. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Well, I'm speak. just kidding. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but what back to the point. I didn't know what AU was um until I had a patient earlier. It wasn't even uh my last clinical rotation. It was earlier than that. He had like a, a grade one, like a very, very mild grade one ankle sprain. Um, and he like wanted to go to practice that night and he was like not wearing, not really wearing the brace he was given. And I was like, after that, I went to look up what AU was when he told me kind of what he was doing. He was um, playing ball for his high school league. He was doing AU. And then I think he had another camp to supplement those two. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, AU basketball is um, phenomenal. It's great to watch. I love watching athletes perform at such a high level, even at such a young age. But I feel like there should be an emphasis further on a little bit of uh, like education for those athletes. Absolutely. Like, you know, I feel like we offer a lot of um, opportunities to continue to cultivate phenomenal skills with a, with a sport, but we don't educate on the rest and recovery. And um, that's why I always like LeBron James. I know he puts a lot of money towards it. And then I know he talks to the younger athletes kind of giving him giving them a little bit of foresight because I think athletes are always thinking about the next game, the next game, the next game. Yeah. And that's totally understandable because you're locked in and that's how you need to be if you want to perform well. Um, but the long and short of it is when you're 13, 14, 
let's talk about you running a marathon till you're 20. And then if you want to go all out when you're in your 20s and can maybe set some serious records, that's when it that's when it's probably appropriate to push yeah. towards maybe some of that overuse. But I feel like a lot of athletes just train to that because they don't necessarily know. Uh, it's yep. definitely an education and awareness uh, pitfall that we don't we haven't quite reached kind of as a society mm-hmm. and as far as like uh, strength and conditioning goes. But I'm sure a lot of people are privy to it because there's also a lot of politics that go on with sports. So I think, I think there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, but definitely to, to answer a long, a short question in a very long way, we get quite a bit of overuse Yeah, and definitely a higher level of incidence due to that um, kind of COVID disrupting the average um, athletes, like, avenues to go perform that sport through school and through other leagues and summer camps and what have you. Absolutely. And I think the, the, the big thing, like you said, is education and educating parents too, which I feel is a, like a bigger challenge. I feel like kids and younger athletes are more apt to respond to yeah. particularly folks that aren't their parents but it's, it's a matter of getting the buy-in from the parents. So, like, if you or myself were to tell or encourage a kid, like, hey, um, you know, are there any other sports that you're interested? I'd highly encourage you, like, run track. To in pursue the that. Like, yeah. I know that's big for football teams. Like, in, in high school, we were required to play another sport in the offseason, whether it yeah. was basketball, uh, track, or do weightlifting. Like, you couldn't just – chill all spring semester and not do anything one is like you want to maintain a level of athleticism and you know maintain sports specific conditioning in shape whatever yeah, you want to call it yeah a resemblance of a cardiovascular kind of exactly but it's it's hard i feel like to get parents bought in because obviously they want the best for their kids and if they identified my child is great at softball volleyball basketball baseball what have you they want to pour so much into exactly so much into their into their child for that particular sports which is great no problem with that but um it's also great to encourage playing other sports as well to prevent overuse but to also kind of expose themselves to kind of more of a challenge something they're not accustomed to just kind of building and reinforcing adversity Exactly. And also, um, I hate to be the, the hard hammer of truth. Most adolescent athletes aren't going to go on to aren't going to go into the NBA. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to make it to this professional league where all of this work that they put in is going to pay off substantially um, in a monetary value. Yeah. However, building um, a healthy level of athleticism in a multifaceted way through different sports that will carry on. Like I was playing ball with these people yesterday at the family party, back to the ball game. Uh, <laughs> none of us have played, but you could tell the ones who played college sport. <clears throat> it was like a five V five full court game. And you just kind of, you just kind of knew who had some <laughs> level of athleticism. Yeah. To them. And that's not because they really played ball or they practiced in the last 10, 15 years. They probably haven't, practice even close to that but they still um built a strong foundation 
um, of athleticism and just in general, um, muscle strength, a good cardiovascular, everything it takes to be fit. So when the opportunity comes, they're not half bad at it. And it allows you to start from such a higher foundation. Like you start with a stronger foundation and can build up. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to allow that child to get a couple of sports under their belt, um, get athletic in a couple ways, and then they can kind of do whatever they want at that point. And if you think about it, the skills we build up when we're 14 or 15 may be of more value than if we just repetitively train the same sport from that time. And, and sure there's like, there's outliers. I yeah. Think, I think you could go ahead and, and argue that point for sure. But I think in the large percentage of people, the population who go on to play sports for a couple years, then go on to get a, a bachelor's in business and an MBA, but yeah. they still like playing sports on the side. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking the general person here, mm-hmm. um, kind of what's best for them, you know? Yeah. So education yeah. for the parent is huge, but also it's tough because you're trying to like almost change human behavior. Yeah. If they're in 11th grade and they've been doing every league for two years. Now they have friends. Now they have, mm-hmm. now their parents are friends with the parents of the other kids it's a whole community. So on top of um, just kind of the love for the game, they've built something bigger around it. So it's, it's tough sometimes when you try to change human behavior, oh, yeah. especially when they ha- are almost ritualistic. But yeah. it's, education is fun because it's like, hey, you don't have to take the advice. I'm just throwing it out there. And when you throw that out there, you can kind of tell where their receptiveness is at Mm -hmm. and if it's appropriate to dive further in the topic. Um, And I, and that's just kind of what it is. It's like a subtle nudge, but nothing more than that. If they're not interested. Absolutely. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Speaking of being an athlete and trying new sports, Uh I know you have a, (laughs) (laughs) I know you have a long history of being in the weight room and, you're quite strong, but you recently, uh, and it warms my heart. You picked up the game of golf. Now, have yes, have you filled up that new golf bag with actual golf? Clubs? I finally have. Hey, listen, I'm not even going to sit here and make excuses, okay? Because I've been with family, but I did get a start. I did get um a starter set. I have five irons. I have a pitching wedge. I have a driver. I got I got a putter too. It's it's a good little set. And I've been to the range twice. I'm not going to lie. Um, I do have a little bit of tightness. I know I need to work on if I want to get any further in this game of golf here. And I just had not, have not addressed it in the last week or two. But think about golf. I just finished a, a, it's called Titleist Performance Institute. Yeah. The thing about golf is there, there's an efficient, and I put this in air quotes, there's an efficient way to swing the golf club. Yeah. More so just kind of to maintain accuracy, distance, what have you. But I mean, there are some people that have some really ugly swings. You can look up Jim Furyk, like yeah. one of the ugliest swings I've ever seen, but he's been on the on the PGA tour for decades now. It's just a matter of utilizing what you have. And if you can improve some areas, like I know I know you and I know you could use some more thoracic that's, mobility. That's the long and short of it. Yeah, yeah, but that's you could honestly shift. probably make up in other areas just because you're so strong, um, especially in your legs. Um, if if you kind of got some of the basic mechanics and 
Um, that's what I've been. So not to, not to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. That's what I've been finding is uh, I've been getting my best right now is when I do a half swing. So yep. I'm not really going into any extremes of thoracic rotation. And then as I come down, I kind of shift into that leading foot, mm-hmm. at least my weight. And that has been the cue that I've used where I get the most um, efficient results. Yeah. Because I don't even want to tell you they're good results. I'm, we're still in the beginning stages here. I think I can get about 80 yards to 90 yards pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hit it straight probably one out of two times. But we're definitely trending in the right direction. That's, that's all that matters. Because, I mean, golf – I've played, I grew up playing football, I've played basketball, baseball. Golf is the most technically challenging sport because yeah. you're trying to control the head of a golf club and any change in the face angle at impact is going to influence the trajectory of the ball by a lot. And there's a lot that can happen from the second that you set up from the backswing all the way to ball contact. And it's, it's such a fascinating game and sport and here's what you're here's to to go along with that point i'm not great by any means and i i know that and i golf with some of my buddies who are pretty good but the as long as you can keep the ball moving in the right direction nobody hates you so you don't even have to be that great to get out there enjoy the beautiful weather um kind of hang out with your buddies and actually like learn a thing or two and not feel like you're holding them back. So that's what I've liked is like, yeah. uh, I have two friends who golf pretty frequently and it allows me to like also hang out with them. Hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing? And also get nine, nine rounds in or nine holes in. Cause Absolutely. I've done one full 18, but I realized I'm not built for the full 18s yet. Cause once I throw in like a 580 yard hole, I'm like, mm. or 480, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we're going to be here for 30 minutes, man. <laughs> what are we doing? Yo, can I just throw my ball down the fairway? And, <laughs> and they're like serious about it. They're like, hit it out of the sand. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> 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 Not right now. Maybe in the future. Oh, man, that's it's, awesome. I, I, I'm loving it. I'm like, the thing about it right now is um, I just dove in. I just started playing probably about – a month and a half ago, two months ago. Um, and I'm taking it slowly, but it's fun because you learn little bits and pieces here and there on like little things you can change that make you better. And it seems like I talk to people who've been doing it for years and they're always improving. So I like like that there's kind of um, constantly something you can work on and improve on. Oh, yeah. it's a, I mean, granted, you could say that with any sport. But just golf, the intricacies that come with it is uh, is fun and it's entertaining just to even learn about them. Yeah, I'm, I've been reading this book for a lot longer than I'd like to admit because there's only about 100 pages, but I've been reading it for like two months now. <laughs> Understand um, he's busy studying for the boards. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Yeah, and it's, it's called Ben Hogan's like, Five Fundamentals of Golf. And it talks about like in the um, in the intro or the Ford, it talks about golf is one of those games that if you think you've got it figured out, then you're you're completely wrong because you'll go out there 
you'll hit like something for me, like really good, a really good round would be in the eighties. And I'm like, if that were to happen on a consistent basis, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is really awesome. Like I've got everything figured out. And then just when you think you have it figured out, you shoot in the hundreds and you can't figure out what's going on. You just know that it's, it's not good. And golf is, I used to not have a great time because I'm overly competitive with myself and yeah. I've definitely I've broken one club in my history of playing golf. I've thrown one in the lake. And so you were <laughs> laughing when I was just explaining having a peaceful time playing. Yeah. You got so, but, happy Gilmore going in your head right now. You're but like, in the yeah, last sure. year that I've gotten serious about golf, I've really kind of just taken a step back and realized like, look, this beats being in the office. Like, yeah. Just be in the moment and have a good time because it's typically with buddies, we're playing music, we're having some drinks and trying not to take it too serious, but also be competitive. Yeah. And I've noticed that it's improved my game a lot because oh, yeah. I'm not going to be on tour and I'm not trying to be. Um, so I think the more you approach the game from that perspective and realize that it's a very humbling sport, yeah, I, I think goes a long way. But before... <laughs> Before we get too too far into the weeds with sports, um, can I ask you one quick question about golf, and we'll move on? Yeah, quick? of course. Because I know, so you're going to be working in uh, at Onward in Denver, right? Yep. Shout out, Doctor Moore. Yes, so, sir. So you're going to be doing um, primarily like a golf specialty, right? Yeah. So my right, my so goal. Let me understand that a little bit. Yeah. So my goal is to to essentially do golf rehab and performance. And I want to preface this by shouting out to Jeremy Smith, who's an adjunct professor at South college. Um, I initially met with him in our advanced, advanced therapeutic intervention course. And he mentioned he does golf rehab up in like a suburb of Chicago, I think South Chicago at um, Barrington rehab. So if you're in the area, highly recommend his clinic and working with him. Um, I was talking to him about golf and I asked him cause I've played golf on and off for like 10, 15 years, but I just started getting serious about it. Like maybe six months to a year ago. Yeah. And I know it's an underserved area as a whole from a physical therapy perspective. Um, and there's just, I feel like a lot of opportunity where I live at. I mean, there's I only one. There's only one well-known golf rehab I know, uh, one golf rehab therapist in Colorado Springs, and that person's about to retire. And there's, um, I'm sure, a handful of really great PTs up in the Denver metro area, but yeah. at least where Onward Denver is in Parker, Colorado, there's not a ton. So there's True. And a great opportunity to kind of, you know, breach that market. So... <clears throat> So that's kind of, so I asked him about it. And the first question I asked was, do you have to be good at golf to be, you know, a, a good golf rehab and performance specialist? And he said, absolutely not. Uh, does it help to be good? Yes, because, you know, if, if you came to me today and asked me, you know, I'm having low back pain during my backswing and I can't get through a full round of golf without experiencing five out of 10 pain for a few days. You know, maybe after a few sessions or so, your back pain is a lot better. You're able to play a full round of golf and 
you're only exhibiting pain for like maybe a few hours after a round of golf. Right. You may or may not be apt to invite me out to play around. Uh, just that's just how the golf community is in my experience. Yeah. And I don't want to look like a complete hack. So I've been working with a golf coach uh, or swing coach up in um, Castle Rock. Um, and it's been great. And there's a partnership there, which I'm hoping flourishes into kind of a, I send him patients of mine that want to improve their golf game and he can work with them from a swing perspective. Yeah. And he may have people that he's working with from a swing perspective that he knows something's going on physically that he can't address. So he can send to me. And that's kind of what I learned speaking with Jeremy. I know he works with um, um, a swing coach up in Chicago. I think his name is Jake Thurm. Yeah. Um, and they do a lot of work with the uh, U.S. USA junior golf um, team up in Chicago. Okay. And it's just, there are just a lot of opportunities I feel with golf and I love the, I love the game, love the sport. I love playing. And it just so happens to be, you know, a sport that requires a little more disposable income and, yeah, you know, working at an out of network clinic, I think there's going to be a lot of great opportunities, not only from treating, but, I'm thinking like bigger picture, like sponsorships for big golf tournaments Agreed. in greater Colorado area. Cause I, I called somebody, no, I didn't call him. I emailed. And the community of golf is very strong too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's worldwide show that once someone meets you and realizes you're genuine and you're great at kind of rehab, you, you're good at what you're talking about. I think, I think you can flourish in that type of environment because everyone wants to see you do well. Absolutely. And so I emailed, uh, there's a golf tournament in a couple weeks up in Castle Rock, which is close to the area I'll be practicing. They're doing a veterans appreciation golf tournament. And I reached out just to see if there are any more spots for sponsorships, more so because I wanted to get an idea of like how much it would cost to sponsor. Because yeah. typically, like if you sponsor, if you're a sponsor of a tournament, okay. yeah, it's, it's anywhere from like 500 to a few thousand dollars. And then you typically get one to two slots for players to play in. Um, and from my perspective, I'm thinking of onward. I'm like, Oh, well, this would be great to not only, I mean, I don't know how much traffic you can generate from a big banner, but my thought process is okay. Long par five folks are going to want to grip it and rip it. How can we not only sponsor that hole, but also set up a tent, and as we say, I think you kind of coined this term of giving someone the gas. You got to give them the gas. Can you imagine giving somebody a manipulation before a par five? And they're like, oh, shit, I feel really loose. And then they rip one like 350 plus yards yeah. down the middle. I mean, if they're hitting 350, I mean, they're pretty, pretty, pretty strong in general. But that's not uncommon. Yeah. But little things like that where we can show the value of physical therapy and also create this community around yeah. golf because as a lot of people know onward and physio. Even, go ahead go ahead i'm sorry uh it doesn't even have to be the people playing too you could set up tents and be like set up a golf simulator and yeah just show the general public who are interested in golf hey this is kind of how you how you move at the, like the first swing this is where your thoracic rotation is now let me just give you a quick adjustment here. Boom. Have you do it again or manipulation? Have you do it again and see the difference? 
I feel like patients and, and people just kind of live in their day-to-day lives in general, when they see that huge change in the test retest, they'll, they'll give you all the buy-in right there. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. that's a phenomenal idea for you. Yeah. But go on. I, I apologize. No, no. And what I was going to say is, you know, Onward is very well known for management of especially CrossFit athletes, older adults, postpartum pelvic floor. And they do that really, really well. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough, like given the opportunity to kind of identify an area that we could definitely breach. And I definitely see an opportunity to, you know, create a branch of fitness forward, physical therapy with golf rehab and performance. And I'm hoping like my, like one of my goals would be to be able to partner with someone like Jeremy Smith down the road yeah, I'll, and like run courses together, right travel there. around the country and like spread the good word of golf rehab and performance. My man's we- giving a sermon <laughs> every week about golf. That's what I love to hear though. Yeah. Honestly, those, the big ideas, I think that's a phenomenal idea, Chris. Yeah. And so I, I'm you have the personality where you would flourish in something like that. I, I appreciate, it. and it, you can tell. Like I, I know I can. I do. I could talk about this. Yeah, it's stuff you love for hours. So uh, you know, I'm hoping. I, I think right now because I, I want to just focus on getting through the boards and then really honing in my clinical skills. Um, especially the first year, I feel like I haven't had my hands on an actual patient. I mean, it's been a month now. Yeah, a month to the day actually, and it's. I just want to really focus because I feel like you said, like, I feel like I have a good enough personality to, to make all these dreams and ideas come to fruition. But yeah, the test retest, like being really good at dialing in those basic skills yeah. as a clinician, that's how you're going to really get the buy-in. Yeah. Um, and a, then so yeah, I've so, that pretty well early on is that test retest and really just, we don't have to be phenomenal at the complex stuff, but we should yeah. be really good at the basics. Yeah. Cause um, that just comes with practice. Just like you were saying. Exactly. It's just like, just like we're talking about sports. It's all about reps, 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 reps. And, it really uh, is a, just a different style of a sport. There's yeah. a little more cognitive capacity required oh, yeah. when it comes to that dual tasking and everything, but it, I'm looking forward to it too. I think yeah. it'll be a good time. I'm excited to see that come to fruition, though. I yeah. think that's going to be a good um, a good thing for you. And then I'm going to be calling you up every day about my golf swing. Oh, yeah. Don't All send day. me an invoice, though. I call it payback for the flashcards. There, there, there you go. I, I think I probably owe you about two years of service. I'll take it. <laughs> my man. It's funny. Um, I was playing golf Friday, so I, I met this uh, this gentleman. He runs this wealth management firm in Colorado Springs, this networking event. And I played with him and his partner and, you know, an acquaintance of his, he just had like a right hip replacement maybe, I think it was like three years ago. And it's funny now we talk about in PT school, like going to the airport after you're a PT student, it's like you're overanalyzing everyone's gait, how everyone moves. And now that I finished this TPI course, I'm like constantly looking at how people swing. And when he told me he had a, a right hip replacement, 
Oh, no, he said, I had my hip replaced a couple of years ago, so I'm just glad that I'm able to play golf. But I was like, it was your right, wasn't it? Yeah. And his, his colleague was like, is the right like a common area for hip replacement? I was like, no, I can tell in the swing. Yeah, uh, just how how he's moving. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I went through this, and now all I can – I went through this these two years at South, and now all I do is, like, look at people and debate whether they move funny or they move normally. But it goes back to the golf swing where some people move pretty funny, but they're still successful with it. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, he hit the ball dead straight every single time. There wasn't a ton of power Yeah, because he couldn't get a lot of, like – right hip or internal rotation by putting his weight into his um, trail leg in his backswing, yeah. but he made up for yeah. brute force. Yeah, exactly. 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 So speaking of South college, um, because I, I want to talk about kind of what your goals are as a physical therapist, but I feel like we could easily get into the, I don't want to call it weeds, but, I don't want to get too far away from South College to where yeah. it's like one of those awkward, really back in. awkward pivots or like, oh yeah, that's great. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to and now for our next segment. <laughs> yeah, um, no, so we good. just graduated three weeks ago, which is crazy. Yes. Feel, it's it's crazy how, how fast the last two years have flown by. What are you going to miss the most about uh, PT school at South College? That's a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, give me a second to actually think about it. All right. I'm going to review our sponsors and ads. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ally, for sponsoring this video. Yeah. No. Um, if I had to really pick one, I feel like it'd be the like tight-knit group that we did mm-hmm. have. Um because South College was great, um, but it doesn't mean I can't experience it again if I wanted to go in as an adjunct, if I wanted yeah. to go in as a teacher. Um, so not to say I didn't miss going to lab and the weird smell that South College always had in it. It was like so clean, it smelled clean. I was like, this yeah. place is crazy. Um, <laughs> but I love that. And I love the teachers and I loved like kind of the learning experience, seeing a hundred people actively engaging in learning and being excited about what they're learning about. And then mm-hmm. being a part of that is almost invigorating. Yeah. And like people get the manip right and you get a cavitation and everyone's excited. Like that's fun, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I can't experience it again. I could go do an ice course with Dr. Moore down in anywhere in the South that he tends to do them. And I'll just have him yell at me for an hour while I'm hitting manips and I'll have that same feeling. <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> kind of but the tight-knit group we had um because we studied basically every day together yeah uh, so it was almost a different life to be honest we were putting mm-hmm. a lot of time in on the computer a lot less time out actually practicing um like my social time would be like from 8 to 11 every night and my and when I was at the gym really Whereas now I have such a more open schedule and I'm free to learn whatever I want. Um, however, while it's much better now, back then we did a lot of study calls, me, you, and uh, our four other study members. Mm-hmm. And 
that was a lot of fun just because we were kind of, we had like a good unity and we had something going and it felt like we were all working towards the goal. Yeah. And it's always nice to have that. And I know like there'll probably be another, there probably won't be many other opportunities where like I study with like uh, five guys who I'm really tight knit with. We go down and live in like this Airbnb and yeah. it's just like one huge, like, just entire memory almost yeah. like it just goes so quick you don't even think about it and then you look back and you can't even recall too many specific events yeah. but you just remember it it was like well that was always a good time so yeah. that'll probably be what i miss the most um that's not to like shy away from anything else i had phenomenal experiences at south yeah but i feel like I can not that I can recreate that exact experience, but I can get pretty close and there's opportunities in the future where I can have that. Whereas like, I got to find a good reason to tell my girlfriend, I'm going to go leave for two weeks and hang with like five of my homies in like a random area of an Airbnb, <laughs> an Airbnb. Like yeah. at least with school, I had a good excuse. Yeah. <laughs> nowadays, like if I told Sophia now we're all going down to Florida, she's like, well, I'm coming. Well, me and the guy just trying to hang out. (laughs) But it'll be it'll be a new experience, and I'm definitely excited for our future. But I was happy, kind of, we had that experience, and now we're just kind of closing the book on it. Not that we won't go and hang out together again, of course. But um, we will like kind of move on from that student type of thing. Like we were all kind of under the same pressures. We were all like trying to achieve one goal. And that um, that's really, really nice when you're in tune with a, a bunch of your friends all trying to achieve a goal. It just feels like you're like part of a bigger community. Absolutely. What was your, what was the most challenging part of physical therapy school for you? Because I know you were one of the 18 or 19 students at were crazy enough to take boards in the middle of our terminal rotations this past oh, yeah. April, but um, I'm sure that was a difficult time, and that may be the most difficult part. But if not, I'm I'm curious to know kind of what, so what the I most think, challenging part of it was. I think you. probably that was the most physically demanding part because I was like, I was working for nine hours, then I'd rush to the gym for two hours. Then I'd rush to study home for like two hours. And I did that for like 11 weeks. And there was just a type of burnout that you don't normally get that that was, that was pretty demanding. Yeah. I will also say though, the, the very beginning um, where I was like trying to figure out how am I going to attack this? Like Mm. I really, like I didn't take enough courses yet to understand like how I should study and like how I should prepare for things and how I should structure my day. And that first like two months of quarter one, I didn't want I didn't struggle. I did well. Um, but it was a lot of extra work I put in. I did a lot more busy work because I didn't really understand what was what was going to be required. So I did more than I needed to. Mm-hmm. And that time was a, a, a very stressful time for me just because like, they say things are more stressful when you can't control them. And that was something where I felt like I had no clue what to expect. So I was definitely like 
a little stressed out at that point. So that was pretty, that was pretty tricky too. Um, the labs were the best part. A lot of people I've talked to, I talked to a, um, colleague of mine earlier today that works out of, uh, one of the clinics in a different town in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. They're applying for uh, PT school, I think, July of next year or June of next year. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking of applying to South College and they were stressing like the lab portion of it. They were like, is that going to be difficult? How much study, how much studying time did you put towards it? And I was like, (laughs) you know, I I didn't, (laughs) I didn't really (laughs) study outside of 705. Yeah. I said we watched football. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we always football. talked about studying, and then it would, yeah, it would it be like five, lot. ten minutes, and then someone cracks open a, a cold one, and then yeah, I'd hear, I'd be taking a shower, and then I'd hear the the, and I knew, <laughs> I knew football was going on, and I said, yeah, we'll get to studying tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Oh. But yeah. So that was probably the two. What would you say was the toughest for you? If you had to pick one, um, the toughest moment of South College for you, I think it was the first probably six months, and it was more so like a time management thing, just because I hadn't been enrolled in a like a program in so long. Yes, I mean I was taking prereqs for like the last four or five years or so, but I had to change how I studied um, in. I tend to overanalyze a lot. So yeah. I spent probably more time than I needed, particularly like the first month or so, which I'm I'm sure is not uncommon for any PT student, but I really had to kind of rein it in and make sure I prioritize yeah. life outside of school, particularly with my fiance, because she had started OT school at the, around the same time. So really trying to, ensure that we had a day of the week where it was just time for us and we would schedule a day night every Friday and then making sure that, you know, I was doing my workouts every day. Um, Yeah. That was, that was huge for me. Yeah. And then once I, once I kind of got dialed in, I will admit that I probably played more call of duty with, a few of our classmates, I won't name them, uh, than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Literally, Tom. That man is an animal. <laughs> so, but it was a good stressor, a stress relief uh, for me throughout the program because, I don't know, it's it's cool to find individuals that share common interests in video games. And yeah, it was a great way to kind of connect, even with folks that weren't in our immediate study group. Because there were a few others that would uh, play with us from time to time. But, yeah, I'd say I'd say the time management part. I mean, studying for boards isn't it isn't fun. Yeah. But I think if I would have taken it in April, that certainly would have been the most challenging thing. And for me, I I wanted to focus on more of the clinical skills and just focusing and dialing those in. Yeah. And I know myself that I I don't know that I would have been successful in managing studying for boards and doing that and then also doing the stuff that I wanted to do outside of that. So yeah. power to you and 
that's the, the so, to go back to that one point. I did give Sophia a heads up when I yeah. came, when I made that decision. Yeah. Uh, she really she really is she's great because she kind of supports me on whatever. I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to uh, study for the next sixty yeah. hours and then do this crazy thing. And she's like, all right, whatever. She just knows kind of who I am. But that was one thing where it was like you kind of had to prioritize that studying when sometimes yeah. you had the opportunity to maybe hang out uh, with your partner, which in this case was Sophia, but she was super understanding. But I totally, I totally resonate with what you're saying. Cause it isn't just working and being physically tired. It's like, it's a, everyone around you who kind of wants you in their life kind of like, is like, all right, well, I understand you're working towards something and they totally yeah. respect that, but you like to appreciate those people and still get to spend time with them. Absolutely. What was um, in the last two years, what have you learned most about yourself as clinician, as a person, et cetera, if anything? (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. So I think I have an answer for this. It might be a half answer. We'll see how it goes. I think if anything, I learned like, I guess, so I started grad school when I was 23 and I was like, all right, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to be 25 and I'm going to have it all figured out. And ironically enough, I was, I couldn't be any more wrong. Not in the sense that like, I don't know like what I want to do or I'm not competent in what I'm doing, but I don't necessarily um, know exactly what I want to get into right now. I know I want to be somewhere along the orthopedic lines. Um, I don't really know where I want to take my career at this point. I just know I want to improve a little more so that when that opportunity comes, I have the skill set that I need to take advantage of that opportunity. But I guess I learned kind of like the ability to be adaptable is really important. And also it's kind of freeing to recognize that not everything has to be planned out to the T and not everything has to be perfect. And sometimes you just kind of have to continue to grow. Cause I think when I thought, I thought when I finished PT school, it kind of um, introduced me to all these different like branches of PT and kind of different specialties. And they did, but very briefly, cause it's a, uh, it's a two year program mm-hmm. and, kind of that's not the curriculum of any PT school. So it's nice for me to be able to still feel like I'm kind of a kid with the ability to grow and learn as a clinician um, and kind of be creative in the sense that I can do whatever I want. So like I still do powerlifting. Um, I still go to a ton of powerlifting meets and I still go to a ton of sporting events and now I just get to appreciate them at such a higher degree because mm-hmm. at, at the very least, I understand the basic demand on the body to kind of perform that sport. I may not know how to rehab it perfectly, especially not better than uh, one who would specialize in that sport, but I get to appreciate it on that higher level. So I guess that's kind of what I learned going along with the yeah. adaptability but it's more like um, something I've been kind of thinking about because our dean, uh, Dr. K, talked about like 
think about like at some point try to do some looking within to kind of see what you've learned from this experience and I have kind of had that answer but I don't quite know how to put it into perfect words but it's nice having having the ability to be able to go on further with a a stronger tool set to kind of develop into whatever clinician I want to be. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because it's it's more of an appreciation of the human body and how it moves, functions, whether it be from an orthopedic perspective or even like a second love of mine, which I would have never thought I'd admit to this day, neuro. Um, Shout out, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it it is fascinating how the body works and now being in it, having the knowledge and understanding of how the body works and functions, it is, you do have a greater appreciation for when you're seeing, like you said, people doing powerlifting meets and competitions, like what's going on in it in order for them to be able to physically do that. um, Because obviously there's some, some mental aspect to it as well, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, I love, I love that answer. What, um, and uh, go ahead, I want to say ahead. something real quick. Something else I learned is just how important the soft skills are, such yeah. as communication, um, listening, um, kind of really thinking about what people are telling you. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Dr. Tim Flynn, because I feel like he was a phenomenal communicator. Um, he brought mindfulness kind of to the forefront of a lot of his education. Um, and I really appreciate that because it's something I would use, but I wouldn't have the right tool set for it if I didn't have him kind of giving me those educational tools. And I'm so big on uh, looking at psychosocial factors and kind of how that affects the patient and trying to improve that as you improve more of those objective physical impairments. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that makes just a perfect cocktail of recovery. So I just want to throw that in there too. I definitely learned how critical communication is and also how to be a better communicator. So that's been, that's helped me both as a PT and in life. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've spoken with, you know, folks um, like students that have come through my final rotation. We uh, was connected to a university and we'd have students come in all the time and ask questions. And I always default to social skills and personality. Don't get me wrong. Knowing how to treat somebody and just knowing your stuff, regardless of what field you want, you're in are important factors to make a difference. However, I'm a firm believer that strong social skills, um, communication and having a personality, emotional intelligence, whatever you want to call it are doubly important because for me, and I have a background in, in hiring people, I would rather have some, I would rather bring on somebody that is a very, very average student. If they're yeah. able to pass, get their degree, and I'll just use physical therapy as a, as an example. They're good enough to pass. They can treat safely, but they know how to interact with yeah. not only their peers, their colleagues, but more so with their patients. Because, you know, a lot of times that the psychosocial part is really going to be a determining factor on outcomes, exactly. uh, whether you believe it or not. 
and form that type of relationship with patients, but just because you're just, I don't know, socially awkward, or it's just not a strength of your, a strength that you have, I would encourage you to get stronger in those areas. And that comes yeah. with experience. Um, there and are it's other not ways. Even, it's not even like um, one day you're bad at it, one day you're good at it. I think sometimes like communication is fluid. Like you may yeah. have a day where maybe you're like, gosh, I'm really kind of closing everyone out. I'm not communicating great yeah. right now. Um, it's important for you to kind of recognize that, take that back to the, to the working shop and kind of be like, okay, how can I improve in it? So yep. even if your communication skills aren't phenomenal, um, an open mind and an ability to kind of look a little more objectively at how you communicate um, mm -hmm. and maybe make those changes when necessary, I think is also pretty important. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, I agree 100% though, because um, I think all physical therapists, the benchmark is to do the basics pretty well. Mm -hmm. Now, I, uh, this isn't, I don't have enough experience, but from my own clinical experience, I think if you do the basics pretty well, um, if you provide great like soft skills to them and you actually strengthen the weaknesses, you basically make a superhuman along mm -hmm. like you find their impairments and you treat those a lot of patients do very well so that's kind of the benchmark i think mm -hmm. and then going further is having those great communication skills like you're saying yeah. um and addressing those psychosocial factors where sure anyone may be able to treat maybe some weak hips causing low back pain mm -hmm. but if you're not addressing maybe a lifestyle that might allow those impairments to manifest they're going to be back within the next six months. So it's, it's again, not even about the short term anymore. It's about the long term. Yeah. You have to look at that patient and recognize, well, there's some changes maybe I can make pretty quickly. And there's some at least I can maybe start to draw some attention to um, in a very formal way and a very um, non-aggressive way, kind of working as a partner, you yeah. and you and the patient to kind of have an alliance there and just kind of, maybe steer them into getting some help. Maybe mm -hmm. you provide some of that help via breathing, intentional like meditation, small stuff like that at the end or the start of your therapy session. I think that um, kind of helps with that impairment-based approach that every PT is kind of taught as the benchmark. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. That's what I got to say on that. What That's are... What are you most excited for with regards to your professional development? And from a goals perspective, do you have any short-term, long-term goals? Like next 12 months to two years for short-term and like three to five for long-term. I don't like 10 years out, but do you yeah. have any like that that you'd like to accomplish as a as a therapist, well, as a person? I'd like, um, we'll do therapy goals. Cause if we're talking about personal goals, I got, we could, I have a laundry list. I want to get better <laughs> at golf. I want to get better. We could go all day about that. Yeah. Um, but as far as professionally right now, I'd like to get a residency or do a residency for orthopedics just cause I'm, I'm pretty certain I want to be along the orthopedics area. I just know I enjoy it. Um, and, 
I feel like I use it so, so much in my day-to-day life. Me and my girlfriend are both very active. I have a family who's active. Um, not that my family really looks for much of my advice, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice and it's useful um, outside of just work. But I'd like to get that because they say typically like um, getting uh, OCS is like four years of clinical experience. Yeah. Now that's, that's kind of a very, I'm sure a very subjective measure. That's got to be a little difficult to completely look at objectively. Although there may be studies I haven't, I haven't seen any, but at the very least, I know it will keep me on that path of asking questions and getting answers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really want to do that because like you said, you want to be really good at something before you try to market it or do anything special with it. Just, just not even for you, but for your patients. I yep. think it's it's important to want to get better always and try to improve on things. So that would be a short term uh, I'd like to do. And then more of a long term, uh, my clinic offers like a couple programs for leadership, um, for kind of how to be business savvy, how to figure things out um, as far as like what the overhead's going to be kind of what the margins would look like. They offer um, kind of classes in that. So I'd like to take that and by like year three, have all the tools that I need um, to be maybe a little more than just a therapist, maybe more of like a clinic director or just kind of whatever comes with those skills. Yeah. From three to five, I'd, I want to make some type of um, targeted, educated move on what I'm going to use those skills for. Because my girlfriend, me and my girlfriend are both still young. Um, We may want to move. It's kind of really up to her, the long and short of it. Um, But in that time frame, while she finishes school, I also want to continue to develop skills. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I'm going for. And then it kind of goes along with when the opportunity presents itself, you need to have been working to have those skills to take advantage of that opportunity. That's kind of the mindset I'm going on the long term, but I'd like to do something a little, a little more than just PT. I like admin. I'd love to be a teacher at some point. Um, I know I lo- would like to explore those ad- avenues at some point. Love that. What are your favorite areas? Uh, like, do you have a favorite orthopedic impairment to treat? Like, for example, like I love knee injuries and yeah. shoulder injuries and i love to treat those curious to know what yours are because i don't think i've ever spoken with you about i would say shoulders mm-hmm. um and i kind of do like taking care of as weird as it sounds tmj and vertigo they're mm-hmm. kind of fun too um because they're a little a little more complex like i could say i like taking care of low back pain patients and I do. If you have low back pain, you should come see me because I think I can provide you some great value. But um, I see a good bit of them. So mm-hmm. when I see like a TMJ patient or when I see a vertigo patient with BPPV, it's something you don't see as frequently. And it's more kind of rewarding when you treat it appropriately. And TMJ patients are so, so complex um, that it's not... Well, most patients with a TMJ di- diagnosis um, or a TMJ dysfunction, any, th- any type of referral with that, they never really present exactly the same. 
they all yeah. have um, maybe different restrictions. They all have different psychosocial concerns that comes with it. Because if you have pain when you eat, when you talk, when you laugh, that gets stressful over time. And mm -hmm. some patients don't know they can treat it till six months out. So that's a long time to live with that. Yeah. Um, but to make a difference, like, like I had one patient where I just told them about a night guard to start. And then we did, uh, it's called, Bra uh, I think it's Braggard six. It's essentially like six exercises that are really effective in treating TMJ dysfunction. Um, I gave the patient four of those to do at home. And they, they got much better after about eight visits. And even after the first eval, they were like, it was night and day once they started using the night guard. And mm -hmm. that was very rewarding to me because it was a diagnosis I didn't really experience that much of. Mm -hmm. um, but I was still able to provide value and make a difference. But the night guards are tricky because some TMJ dysfunction patients respond very well to it. And then others um, just can't sleep with it. And then if you start having sleep problems, that further builds into the psychosocial. So it's always a puzzle with them. So I would say they're definitely up there. And shoulders are just fun because not being able to overhead reach or really help take off your clothes and stuff, that gets annoying. Yeah. And when you see patients like being able to get back to living their life or driving a car without having pain, um, that restores a lot of independence that you don't think of. And those patients are always very happy, uh, always give you a lot of like a lot of gratitude towards it. And it's nice to know you made a genuine difference. So I like shoulder patients a lot and you can get very creative with them. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to I like to really, really challenge them when we get to the end shortly before discharge. And it's always it's always fun to see them do start from maybe doing like wall walks to some resemblance of like a, a catching or doing something much, much more athletic than just kind of a wall walk and have zero pain and actually have fun doing it. So they're, they're definitely up there. Love that. I have one, one, one last question. Um, really, Let's hear it. have been doing this for an hour. Um, I know, we I, were just chit-chatting. I, I got to take uh, my, my, my fiance to the golf course and show her a few things on trying to improve her game. So, uh, don't tell her I held you up. Yeah, no, like, no, no, is it, no. Is it that boy who's from New England and says neuro weird? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm curious to know. I always like to ask um, friends, colleagues this now. After a long week of work, especially now that we're done with school, what's the ideal way you like to spend a Friday evening or afternoon after coming home from work? Uh, so I would say if it was a perfect day, it'd be like with kind of all my family, like going out somewhere to eat or going for a walk or what have you. Um, that doesn't always happen, but that would be, that's kind of my, my favorite. I'm not, as you know, I'm not totally a drinker sometimes on special occasions, mm -hmm. but I will drink wine on a picnic if the night's right, if the vibe is feeling it. So I would probably, if I had to point out a perfect day for you, it would definitely be like um, going out to eat somewhere and getting it to go and going on a picnic. And that's kind oh. of my way of like de-stressing. I just, I just love to be outside. It's kind of my, uh, 
my way of just getting away from things. Sounds like you need to move to Colorado is what I'm hearing. Dude. <laughs> dude, dude. Soph's going to hear this and be like, see, I told you. <laughs> so you're the one holding it up. I'm not holding up anything. I just need a, I just need a plan. You know I move methodically. Yeah. You know I move very methodically. <laughs> no, so I, that, I get it. Maybe you should just move on over to uh, Maine. I do. I I'd be nice to have a place out there. I do miss being by the water. That's um, yeah. I think I want a lake house because I fell in love with paddle boarding um, over my like extended break. And mm-hmm. it'd be nice just to have a place where you like can just paddleboard and it's not the ocean and where I'm getting wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. The, o- the ocean would destroy me right now. Yeah. You got to get up like super early for the ocean to be kind of like glass. Exactly. Um, I've tried paddleboarding. We lived in Jack's Beach and it's, it's tough when it's really choppy. Not yeah. fun at all. I remember we were doing so. So one last thing, I was doing paddleboard yoga in Bangor, Maine. Interesting, interesting thing. Um, And a boat came by cruising and just created these little ripples in the water. It wasn't even that big of a boat. And it caused me to fall over two times in four minutes. (laughs) I look ridiculous. We were like doing a downward dog and I somehow rolled forward. I was like, this is just just brutal. I heard Maine's beautiful, so I'll have to check it out. Um, one of my dad's old coworkers in the military lives up there, and it, it looks beautiful. Yeah, we'll schedule we'll schedule a date for that, and then we'll come to Colorado soon. I have family in Colorado too, so I got to get out there. It is such a beautiful state, man. And a lot, if we're being honest, it is a phenomenal state to be in. It is. We feel very fortunate, but Sean. It's been a pleasure. Um, It's been a pleasure not only, you know, developing this friendship with you and and the homies from my group, but just being able to see your growth and your success. I'm really excited to see what the future has in hold for you. Any any last thoughts in in closing? Thank you. I appreciate that. And I just want to say right back at you. I feel like all of us... um, have grown a lot and I'm excited to see you grow into um, kind of this golfing specialty role. I couldn't think of anyone more equipped to do it. So the world is yours. Go out and get it. And we need all our boys to pass the boards on the. Yes, sir. Seventh. No one passes until we all pass. That's yes, the sir. sad truth about it. Love that. Love that. Well, I appreciate it, man. You have a great rest of your day. Uh, good you. luck on your first day tomorrow, man. Thank you, man. You start uh, August 1st? Yeah, August 1st. And then I started another place like mid to late August. Yep. I'm pumped. I just want everyone to know, Chris came in on the first day of class with such a professional photo. I thought he was the teacher. (laughs) He joined the first Zoom call ever on orientation day with such a professional photo. This kid, this man is always working. So I'm not surprised to hear about that second job. I thought this was CEO of South over here, and he was just another student. <laughs> I was confused. Get get you a friend that gasses you up like Sean, everybody. That's that's the ultimately the message. Yeah, that's the message of this entire talk. <laughs> but right, hey, man. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Have fun golfing with uh, Mish. All right, we'll do, man. Take it easy. Thank you. You too. 
Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Paragon Podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Overcast, and all of your other major podcasting platforms. Also, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, you can find us at Paragon underscore Physios if you want to learn more about our field of physical therapy in the eyes of students and also just learn more about health and wellness. And once again, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Paragon Podcast.